Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, it is a great privilege and honor to be with our family away from family here. You can invite us down anytime. We love coming down to this area. Although we live in a great place. We live in Santa Maria, California, right by Pismo Beach. So today we're privileged to bring one of our daughters. It's so, you know, heritage is really great when you have, you see, it's not just what you do for the Lord, but what your kids do for the Lord, how your kids serve the Lord. And uh, congratulations. Uh, and um, we uh, have we have four daughters, and uh, our, we have one of my youngest daughter is the best preacher in our family, and uh, you'll have to have her come sometime, Abigail. And this is Shelly, who is our worship leader in the family, and then we have uh, our organizer, Jennifer, and then we have Jody. Uh, so we're very blessed to have children that love God. It's amazing. They live with us and they still love God. It, it's just a, it's a mir- I believe in miracles. Amen. God told me a long time ago, he's, uh, I, I, we got married in 1970, okay? The dark ages. Anyhow, uh, I got married in 1970 and uh, it was right during the anti-war hippie. We were having riots, you know, happening in, here in California. And um, we, um, uh, I thought, you know, you this world is so messed up, it would be wrong to have children and bring them into this world. And God speaks to me and he says, if you have children, I'll raise them. And he has done that faithfully. God really has raised our kids. It's so great uh, to that. Uh, so, hey, uh, we're going to, I want to, it's Isaiah. Come on, Isaiah, man. Give me a high five here, man. This guy can pretty much preach my message. I don't, you know, I don't know what to do now. You kind of used my whole thing here. And really, it is kind of talking about a calling. Uh, it's really it's talking about calling to the whole world. It's also talking about what you do every day. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you selected the devotional thing because I've discovered that success is what you do every day. It's your everyday little deposits. It's your everyday spending some time with the Lord. It's your everyday reading the Bible. It's your everyday praying. It's your everyday just saying, God, here I am. Use me. Here I am. Send me. It's what you do every day. And as you do that, it builds a, it, it builds a momentum that begins to happen in your life where God begins to move through you and around you and do amazing things. And the fact is, is that every one of you is called. Every one of you is valuable, important. The Bible says you all have an anointing. I don't know if you ever heard the phrase anointing. We're talking about people, well, that person's anointed. Well, the fact is, if you're a born-again believer, you are anointed. You are called, and you have a a purpose to live out in this life. Uh, Before I go into my message, I want to just tell you one story here real quick. And... um, there was this, you may have heard about this, but there was this husband and wife and his mother-in-law that all, they went on a trip to Israel. And while they were in Israel, unfortunately, his mother-in-law passed away suddenly. And so one of the officials in Israel came to them and said, listen, 
for $5,000, we will send her body back to America where she can be buried there. Or for $150, she could be buried right here in Israel. Well, without even any hesitation, the husband said, I'll do the 5,000. And the guy said, well, let me, I don't understand. For, five, you know, for, for $150, she could be buried in the Holy Land. And he said, yeah, yeah, but you know, about 2,000 years ago, there was a guy who died and he was buried and three days later, he rose from the dead and I just can't take that risk. <laughs> You're either offended or laughing, one or the other. All right, let me read some opening scriptures here. Uh, the title of what I want to talk about today is Somebody Told Me. Somebody Told Me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it says this. I think it's going to be there, 2 Corinthians. Yeah. There we go. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Listen to this. And he gave us, everybody say us. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And then here's another scripture, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. One more scripture, a couple more here. Mark 16. Here's what Isaiah was preaching this morning. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And he said to them, go into all the world. Let me just stop there and say, it's time to put the go back into the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And then Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me. Let's all say that. Follow, Follow me. And the results will be, I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Let's pray one more time and let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning through the word of God. Father, we thank you again for how much, as we sang, how you loved us. How you loved us so much to not let us go our own way. How you sent someone to interrupt our path. How we somehow heard about you and came to faith in you. And how you are so wonderful and awesome and amazing that when people really discover you, they have to tell somebody else. Help us to be those who understand how to tell others the good news about you, the living God, the risen Savior, Speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. 
Well, I um, grew up in a kind of a semi-Christian home. Um, my mom was a Catholic. Uh, she took us to Mass when I was a kid. Uh, it was in Latin, so I had no idea. I just remember getting up and kneeling down several times in a room. And uh, uh, but soon I didn't see anything worthy of being in, in this situation, and so uh, I kind of went my own path. And eventually, um, I, because I uh, kind of grew up with a rejection attitude, a rejection issue in my life, I soon came to the place where I felt like a total reject. And um, at that time was the hippie movement in California. I was here in the Bay Area. I grew up in the Bay Area. And, uh, and so I met a group of these hippies. I was uh, 20 years old at that time. I met this group of hippies, and they accepted me for who I was. And so I found, and then eventually I moved into where we all lived together in a commune, they called it back then. And we all lived together and shared our money and all this kind of, although they didn't leave us any. But anyhow, um, we, uh, and so did this, and, um, uh, and so we had this vision, we're going to bring utopia to the world, we are going to be the answer to peace, we're all about, you know, you know, peace, love, and drop acid, yeah. anyhow, and so uh, we thought that was what was going to happen, but it didn't happen like we thought, turns out people are still sinners, <laughs> People still uh, have a bent toward deception and all those kind of things. And so we're disillusioned. But anyhow, I want to tell you my story. So anyhow, so I, um, so I'm growing up in, in San Jose area, and we had this neighbor named Amy Piedmont. Now, Amy actually babysitted me when I was a little baby. And um, uh, when I was probably, I don't know, um, 12, 13 years old, my mother came home one day. They were best friends, her and Amy. Uh, Amy was known in our neighborhood as the wildest woman in our neighborhood. She was the only woman who could dance, drink bourbon, and smoke a cigar all at the same time. That was called wild back then. And uh, one day my mom comes home and she goes, that Amy's no fun anymore. She's got religion. Which was my mom's interpretation of Amy got saved. And, uh, and so I didn't, just went in one ear and out the other. So a couple years later, I'm uh, on my way to high school and I would walk, I had to walk a mile to high school. And, um, and, and one uh, morning I got up and I made, I thought, the mistake of walking down Amy's street. Eight o'clock in the morning, I'm walking by Amy's house. Amy comes out of the door, walks into the middle of the street, grabs my arm, and she's trying to put some little book in my hand saying something about I need God. And I looked at her, and I shook her off of me, and I ran down the street, and I yelled back, Amy, you're a fanatic. And, uh, and so, not knowing, that was the first person that actually was telling me about Jesus. Fast forward a few years, I'm now uh, failed out of college, and I'm in a construction business, uh, or as a construction worker, and I'm an apprentice to a journeyman, and I'm working with this guy, and he was known amongst all the guys as the best 
worker, the, the best employee out of all the employees, because this guy would go the second mile. He got the job done better, quicker, more efficient uh, than anybody else. And I'm an apprentice with this guy. Now, during this time, I'm getting heavier on drugs. And um, so he would, he would listen to me. I would tell him all about my hippie stories, you know, my, my drug experiences and things like that. And he would listen to me. And then he would begin to try to tell me about Jesus. I remember one day I had OD'd on heroin and I was literally throwing up and I was laying in my car and the boss came by and, and, and the guy covered for me. He said, oh, he's just not feeling well today. And so this guy kept trying to talk to me about Jesus. I didn't want to have any of that Jesus stuff. And uh, he, he creeped me out one day. I don't know if that's a phrase you use still. Uh, where during lunch, he got down on his knees and started praying for me. And I kicked him over <laughs> and said, stop it, man. You're bugging me. Don't do that ever again. Fast forward now till I'm 22 years old and... Our commune has blown up, and we all scatter different places. I end up in Lake Tahoe, Nevada, and uh, I'm working there. And uh, uh, I have this sense something's about to happen to me. I don't know what it is, but something's about to happen to me. And I meet this girl, not Pam, it's another girl, but I meet this girl, and I ask her to go out on a date. And so I go to pick her up in my Volkswagen bug, of course, and... I go to pick her up. She gets in the car. First words out of her mouth were, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. And I look back at her and said, yes, and you need to try LSD. We started an argument that went on for eight weeks. So every time we got together, all we did, she believed in God. What it was, she was a Mormon who had a... Uh, had a Baptist youth pastor as a boyfriend for a while. He led her to Jesus. She gets born again. Now she's born again. Uh, she has two little daughters. Her husband had deserted her seven years before. And she keeps telling me about this milk carton in her refrigerator that never runs out of milk. I'm like, that is weird. And so she's just, you know, I'm, I'm like, I had studied a lot of religions. There is no God. I don't believe in God. That's hogwash. And so I thought I was pretty good at arguing against the existence of God. And so, but she just kept at it time, week after week. Day, every time we got together, she just started talking to me about Jesus. And I started telling her there is no God. And uh, so finally on a Saturday night, she said, well, Fred, you've tried everything. Why don't you try Jesus? And I thought, well, I don't know how to answer that. So it was a Saturday night. The next morning I got up, not thinking about that it was Sunday, but I got up early in the morning and thought, I'm going to go up in the mountains and I'm going to talk to God. So I drove up into the mountains, uh, and this was above in Incline Village, the ski area on North Shore of Lake Tahoe. And I drove up there and got out of my car and went up on the side of the mountain and said, okay, God, if you're real, show me. And if Jesus really is your son, show me that too. Not expecting anything to happen when all of a sudden some force comes on me and I'm pushed flat on the ground and I can't get up. And a voice is talking to me, not audible, but it could have been audible. It was so strong. This voice is talking to me. And I don't know what this is. It scares me. And, uh, and, and, and I, I, somehow I realized this is God. 
And my first thought was, if you're real, I'm in big trouble. Because I never thought of myself as a sinner. You know, I didn't walk around, well, I said, I'm a sinner. I didn't think that way. I just did what everybody else did. And now for the first time, I have God who is holy, holy, holy coming upon me. And I realize what a mess my life is and, and what a mess I've made of my life. And I probably wept for an hour and a half or so, just sit, laying there, just realizing what, you know, how messed up I was. And then eventually uh, uh, he's talking to me. I am not getting what he's saying. And so I was eventually, it's a story you can read it. I get, in fact, I wrote a book here called One Simple Act of Obedience. And they're going to have copies that you can purchase here later. And the whole story is in here. But anyhow, um, we, uh, so I, he, he, I have all these, I'm picked up physically, drugged down the side of the mountain. I'm led to a house where he says, knock on the door. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm literally physically taken over. I'm, I cannot control my body. I cannot stop what is happening from happening to me. So I eventually stand in front of this door. He says, knock on the door. I knock on the door of this unusual house there up in the mountains. Nobody's there. I said, nobody's here. He said, try the door. I reached out and tried the door. It was locked. I said, the door is locked. And then he said these words, the door is Jesus Christ. And when he said that, I understood that the way you get to God is through the door and Jesus is the door. Now, at that moment in time, I don't, I guess I believed because I felt all this weight go off of me, which was the, my guilt and my shame was being lifted off of me. And all of a sudden that voice that was outside of me and was now inside of me. And uh, I won't get into the whole story. You can read it in the book, but I'm born again. And I ended up in a church that night. Uh, and that's a whole story, different story. But I want to go back to somebody told me. So all this came about, you see, the fact is, is that the way the gospel, the way people get saved is that God needs a people. And here's what I believe about authentic church. God wants to start a movement with you. Not just have a nice church on Sunday, like you said, Christian karaoke, we clap a little bit and hear a nice pep talk and all that stuff. But God wants to start a movement in Orange County. And he's going to choose somebody. And the, the, but it's the, what is this? You know, everybody's like, we need a Jesus people too. You know what Jesus people too? One was, it was simply one person telling another person where they found the bread. Come on. As soon as the disciples, uh, as soon as Andrew discovers Jesus, he hears from John the Baptist that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He realizes, oh my gosh, this is the guy who the whole world's waiting for. The whole Jewish nation has been waiting for thousands of years for this Messiah. He's here right now. You know what he does? He goes and gets his brother Peter and says, come, we found him. We found him. And once you find him, the responsibility now shifts. It tells us also that uh, Andrew went and found Nathaniel and brought him. And so you see this one by one, people going out saying, we found him. We found the answer. We were on the freeway yesterday, which is a good reason why we don't live here. 
I don't have that much of life to spend on the freeway, but anyhow, <laughs> we're, coming, we're coming from, you know, from Central Coast, we're coming down, and I mean, it was a lot of traffic all the way, and all these, I'm looking at, and Pam, we're looking at all the traffic, and I said, you know what, all these people, you know what they're doing? They're trying to find happiness. They're thinking, I got to go somewhere to find it. I got to travel somewhere to find some peace. I got to find some joy. I got to find a relief. I got to find some, some acceptance. I got to find something. And they're all on the road right now because here it is, folks. It's harvest time in California. Right now. Right now, the harvest is ripe. Right now, people are looking for an answer. And it is our responsibility to share that answer with them. It's not a duty. It's not like we have to be religious. In fact, don't be religious. Just be yourself in Jesus. And just look for that opportunity to share. Now, so here's what Jesus said. And let's um, look at this scripture. John 4, 35 and 36. It says, you knowing, you know the saying, this is Jesus talking. Four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. It, really, it's that simple. Wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? Now, just some discoveries that I made along the way. So I did a lot of drugs when back, you know, in the late 60s going up into 1970. Um, and we actually did experimental drugs. They didn't have names for the drugs we were taking. It was all, and every time it was a risk, you would take a pill. I'm either going to die, commit suicide, jump off of a building, or I'm going to get high. One, one of those things is going to happen. And so I experienced some pretty interesting highs until I shared the gospel. And then I found the highest high. There is no joy, there is no high, there is no drug that can give you what you will experience when you share Jesus with other people. You will walk away like, woo, I feel good. <laughs> Come on, I am serious. Every time I talk to someone about the Lord, I just, it just energizes me. And it's not because, quote, I'm an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. I don't even know what I am. I'm, not, I'm whatever you want me to be. Okay. Like God, I am who I am. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, Jesus said that the harvest is ripe. Right? He says, the harvest is white, white, uh, ripe to, to his disciples. He said, wake up and look around. It's just all around you. And again, it's really that simple. It's not hard. We, can, we make it really complicated to think, well, we gotta, what do we got to do? And I'll share some reasons why we don't in just a moment. Here's another interesting scripture. I call it Jesus Trick Prayer. It's in Matthew 9, verses 36 through 38. So here's Jesus' trick prayer. It says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, for they were, uh, for they, for they were harassed, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Then he says to them, here's the trick prayer. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So he, here he is with his disciples. He looks at the multitude. And I think we need to lift up our eyes and look at the multitude. You know what you're going to see? Hurt, pain, confusion, desperation, self-destruction. If you stop and look at people, if you look at the multitude, it says his heart went out of compassion, went out to them, and he was moved with compassion. He saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. So he turns to his 12 disciples. He says, I want you to pray this prayer. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. Why is it a trick prayer? Because it was a trick to get them into the harvest. Because when you pray, Lord, send laborers into the harvest, all of a sudden you're going to realize, I'm the laborer. I'm the one that he's sending into the harvest. It's me. That's right. It's you and I. Now, some quick reasons here why we don't share the gospel. I don't think we're going to put that on screen, right? Yes or no? No. Okay, good. I don't want you to think negative, but... This is that time right now. Okay. Why don't we share the gospel with others? Well, one reason is we think they don't want to hear it. We think, well, no, they're not interested. They don't want to hear about this Jesus that we know. Uh, another one is uh, we don't see it as our main responsibility as followers of the crime, of Christ. In John 17, Jesus prays this prayer. By the way, I read John 17 several times, and you can see the prayer that Jesus prays for us. And he says this in his prayer. He says, Father, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Just want to give you a little disclaimer here. I believe in aliens. I don't know if we're supposed to preach to them, but no. I believe in aliens. I just happen to believe that we are the aliens. Because Jesus said, even as I'm not of the world, so they are not of this world. Sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. Listen to this phrase. As he's talking to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I also have sent them. That means the, the same reason that Jesus was sent into the world is the same reason that God has sent you into the world. What did Jesus come to do? He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. He came to demonstrate the goodness of God to people. He came to, to reach out to these lost sheep and heal them and minister to them and lift them up. He said the Spirit, he says, Isaiah 61, Jesus quoted when they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bring recovery of sight to those that are blind, to set free those that are bound and captives, and to declare the favorable year of the Lord. Another one says to lift up the downtrodden. So here you and I could take Isaiah 61 and pray it over ourselves. The Spirit of the Lord is on authentic church. He has anointed us to preach the good news to the poor, to bring recovery of sight to those that are blind, to set free those that are captive. Can, can I just tell you, there's a whole lot of demonized people in the world today. Everywhere. I mean, it's on the news every day. 
another shooting, another killing, another abuse. We're, we're, we're selling our kids for parts. We're selling them off in sex trades. Listen, there's a lot of demonic activity going on in the world today. And right here in California, people need to be set free. You're the answer. You've got the anointing. You've got the power. You've got the word of God. The Bible says if you share the word, it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it's sent to do. So there are reasons why we don't share the gospel. Um, we, we don't want to be seen as pushy. Well, if someone is in a car, it's on fire, they're going to die. You know, go up and knock on the window. Um, I don't mean to bother you, but you're about to die. Oh, I'm, being, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to push my belief on you. Listen, folks, which is another one of my points is we don't have a strong belief in heaven and hell. I, literally last night in the middle of the night, I woke up and I heard the screams of people that are in hell. I was tormented by it. I'm like, God, I just like, oh, God. We don't understand that hell is a permanent place. There is no purgatory. There is no out. Once you're dead, then comes the judgment. And that's it, forever. Torment forever. Heaven is forever. And people don't have to go there. Hell was created for the devil and his demons. It wasn't created for man. How does man get there? He chooses to reject the good news of Jesus Christ. He chooses to reject the good news that Jesus paid the price for him to get out of hell and get into heaven. Come on. And so when we don't, when we see people, you know, when you live, wherever you live, I mean, there should be some questions wherever I live, in an apartment complex, in a housing, you know, subdivision, whatever. Number one thing, is my neighbor going to heaven or hell? Wherever you work, is my fellow employee, are they going to heaven or hell? See, there's only the most important question on the face of the planet is, where are you going to spend eternity? There's, outside of that, there's nothing important. Would you agree? I mean, there's nothing else that matters compared to whether or not they know Jesus or they don't know Jesus. Here it is. Listen, we say, well, well, let me give you some other reasons here, and I'll, I'll tie it together with that. Um, we, you know, we believe everybody should have their own beliefs. Or another one is that we might believe, well, there's a lot of ways to heaven. The fact is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The Bible tells us that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. And we all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But we don't read the next few verses. It says, for God, the next verse says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. But it says this, but men love darkness rather than light. And it says, because they were condemned, and he said, this is the condemnation that comes into the world that when they don't believe in Jesus. So when people don't believe, they're condemned. So the only question is, what do they believe? 
Who do they believe in? And so we think, well, you know, there might be multiple ways to heaven. No, there is not multiple ways to heaven because the Bible says all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. That was the reality that, thank God, somebody told me about Jesus. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that was the reality. I mean, I'm 22 years old. I've ruined 22 years of my life already. Pretty much destroyed by that age. I didn't believe there was anything, any such thing as real love. I wasn't sure there was anything. I had already OD'd and been in a coma for three days and almost died and I woke up in a mental ward and all these kind of things. I was, there was nothing more. I don't have anything more to look forward to. But thank God for Jesus coming into my life. Thank God that somebody told me the truth. And why did I weep for so long when I had this encounter with God? Because I realized... I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. I need his salvation. And so does your neighbor. So does your co-worker. So does your fellow student. Here's another reason we don't share. We think that just living the Christian life is enough. But the problem is, what do you... <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to live the Christian life, and that's enough. Well, that's probably a, I'm probably, that's probably a mis, way to, misnomer. That's probably the wrong way to say it. Because if you live the Christian life, you have to share Jesus with people. <laughs> you think, well, I'll just live my life. Well, what if your neighbor is living a better life than you? Yeah, they got a great marriage. Their kids are awesome. They're all going to college. They're going to be successful. You know, well, they really don't need anything. No, they can have all that. When you start to read, I just read recently a, a movie star from some years back who, who was from a, the Hemingway family. So it had all this heritage, had all this money, was amazing, had all everything going for them, end up killing, killing themselves, committing suicide. Because all that stuff that everybody's trying to get to is empty. There is no hope outside of God. The Bible actually says in Ephesians that when we're without God, we're in the world without any hope. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, fame you have, how many likes. Here's, you know, I'm on Facebook. I'll just admit it. <laughs> My name is Fred, and I am a Facebook addict. <laughs> I thought the, uh, here some while, while back, you know, we're all about likes. How many likes did I get? Can I just tell you, you only need one like. It's the one that he gives you. That's the only like you need. That's what the father said to the son. This is my beloved son. I like him. I'm going to give him my like. So it doesn't matter what think people think about you. It doesn't matter what, you know, what you, you know, he with the most, you know, toys wins in the end. It, it doesn't work that way. Because I've never seen a U-Haul tied to a hearse. You'll get that in a minute. All right. Another reason we don't uh, share, oh, by the way, i go go back to the last one. We think that just living a Christian life before them is enough. Here it is, Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So it isn't just living a good life. Your good life doesn't save anybody. 
Now, I think you should live a good life. I think you should live a life that demonstrates the love of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God. I think you should be the person that's blessing everybody else you're around. I don't go around telling people they're going to hell. I look for the treasure in people and call that out of them. I tell them how awesome they are. But what what my purpose is, I want to get them opened up so they can hear the gospel because it's the gospel that saves people, not Fred Kropp, not living a holy life, although that's a good idea. It is actually sharing about Jesus. All right. They told me I only have another hour, so I got to hurry up. I'm just about finished. Another reason we don't share is we believe that God will judge people on their level of goodness, not their rejection of Christ. But the fact is that rejection of Christ is what puts you in hell. Acceptance of Christ is what guarantees your life forever with him. All right, so let me just end this because I'm actually going to send you out. He said we're going to send you out. How many of you got one of these wristbands when you came in the door? Okay. So this, this wristband, something we came up with here oh, some years back, uh, we, we got them um, for two reasons. One, to remind us why we're walking around this planet. <laughs> and number two, to use it as an opportunity to share Jesus with people. And so we take these wristbands, and we, we've got hundreds of them, literally. Pam and I have given out over 4,000 of them ourselves at this point in time. And just wherever we are, it doesn't matter where we are. We just look for the opportunity. We'll just take it off and say, hey, I got a present for you. Yeah, you do? Yeah. It says right here, I am God's treasure. Well, uh, well some of them go, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> yeah, you pride, arrogant person, you... <laughs> You are, I am God's treasure. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. We actually, I'll have to send over the copy for it. We have a little booklet that goes with it called I am God's treasure. I didn't, I don't think I brought any of those with me. So these are just, this is, these are just the open door opener. Then we look for the opportunity to talk to them, pray for them. We'll talk, we will listen to them. So just a couple of things. I'm going to give you a couple of closing points here to just, how do you, how do you do this? How do you, you know, one of the reasons we, we don't do it is because we're afraid. What, what will they think of me? And number two, what if I mess up? Can I just say, trying to tell people about Jesus, you cannot mess up. Even if you do it wrong, <laughs> at least you planted some seed in some way. And so don't worry like, well, do I need to know the whole Bible before I can share Jesus? No. As soon as I was born again, the very first thing I did was get all my hippie friends together in a group and shared with them what had happened to me on the side of that mountain. You know what they did? They all stood back several feet and held their hands out like, don't come any closer to us. They're like, you'll be okay. He OD'd. He's going to be all, you'll be all right. Just don't get any closer to us. So I, I lost all my friends at one time. Six months later, the majority of them all came to Christ. And I was, I was desperate. You know, when you realize your friends are going to go to hell, your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters are going to go to hell, you kind of get desperate. And so I was desperate. <laughs> and I, was, I was terrible. I was knocking on your door every time you talked to me. 
I'm going to start talking about Jesus, you know. I noticed that when I, you know, somebody called me on the phone, I, I, the way I, I have a, answer the phone, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> I was like, you are weird, man. And uh, I had this best friend, Dan Scherter was his name. He and I used to smuggle drugs out of Canada together, and he was my best friend. I love this guy, and, and I wanted him to be saved. And I noticed that every time uh, I would try to talk to him, he, he would just go away. I went over to his house one day, knocked on the door. He was At that time, he was going to University of California in Santa Clara, and he, I could hear him in the back room. His mom came to the door. He said, Mom, if it's Fred Crop, tell him I'm not here. So I determined that the next time I was going to talk to Dan, I wasn't going to talk to him about Jesus. So he got, I called him on the phone. Hey, Dan, how you doing? We had a nice little conversation. How's it going, man? He's living with his girlfriend, all this stuff uh, and everything. And I just couldn't, at the end, I just couldn't help myself. At the very end of the phone call, I said, Dan, you wouldn't want to get saved, would you? And he goes, yes, I would. And I I started hanging up the phone and realized, he just said yes. I said, Dan, did you just say yes? Yeah. You You want to get saved? Yes, I do. Right now? Yeah. All right. So I pray with him over the phone to receive Jesus in his life. He hangs up the phone, turns to his live-with girlfriend, and says, we can't live together anymore. I didn't say anything about living together. He says, we can't live anymore. She says, what? He says, yeah, I'm saved. (laughs) So the next two days, three days, she's trying to find me to kill me. (laughs) She can't find me. She gets saved trying to find me comes to Christ. And then after that, 60 of my friends come to the Lord. Boom, boom, one after another. They just start coming to Jesus. But somebody has to tell them. And that somebody is you and me. It's not hard. Here it is. I'm just one last, I'll just say this. I have a whole bunch of points, but it doesn't matter. I think you got the idea. There's a scripture that says, by faith, we enter into this grace in which we stand. Let me say it again. By faith, we enter in. Another verse says, step into grace in which we stand. Now, what is grace? Contrary to popular belief, grace is not a cover-up for sin. Okay? What is grace? Grace is the desire, the power, and the ability to do God's will. Grace is the desire, the power, and the ability to do God's will. So grace is what empowers you. Let's, let's all say that. Empowers. Let's say empowers me. Okay. So grace empowers me to live the Christian life. Now, th- just imagine there's an invisible barrier line right here. On that side of the line is grace. On this side of the line, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to approach this situation. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what, I, don't know how, I know I should talk to this person, but I'm scared. By faith, we step into grace. What is faith? 
Faith is an action. We step across the line. Okay, I'm going to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it. I'm freaked out about it. I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to take a step forward. As soon as you step forward, you step out of yourself into the grace of God, and you will find the presence and power and goodness of God come on you, and you'll walk away like, whoa, was that me? No, it wasn't. It was grace. It was God's empowerment. But we have to take the first step. We have to walk across the room. We have to walk across the office. We have to walk to the other person on the beach. We have to, we have to go and talk to the person that's waiting on us at the restaurant. We have to take the stir. Just take the first step. Some people may reject it, but you know what? A lot of people won't. A lot of people want to hear what you're talking about. Now, one other thing to understand. The Bible says one plants, Paul said, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. One plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. After I was born again, lost all my friends, I'm like, I don't know who to talk to. You know who I remembered? Amy Piedmont. When I was, all of, I'm, I'm 20, uh, 22 years old now, this, she talked to me when I was a freshman in high school, came out in the middle of the street, grabbed my arm, you need God. I remember Amy Piedmont tried to talk to me about Jesus. I show up at her door, knock on the door, hippie guy. I got the buckskin clothes, only I have a new feature. I have a big wooden cross hanging around my neck. I knock on the door, she opens up the door. I said, hi, Amy, I'm a fanatic too. She like took two steps back and said, Come in here and tell me your story. Who are you going to remember? I went and found the guy that I work with. We went camping together. He began to help me grow in the Lord. Amy, by the way, I went over to Amy's house every day during the week for the next several months. She discipled me, prayed for me, so on. Who did I go find? I went and found the people that told me about Jesus. I'm going to end it with this. My best friends in high school in my junior and senior year, they were like class president, you know, school president, all this at, our, at my high school. These were all the top-notch guys, and these were my best friends when I was in high school. I found out later they were all born-again, church-attending believers, and never one time did, here, I am their best friend. I'm going to hell. Not one time did they ever mention anything about God or about Jesus. Now, I'm not down on them. I'm just saying, we just can't let that happen. Let's all stand. I want to just pray for us. So I want to commission you. So how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they're sent? Come on. We want to be the sent church. Hey, church is boring if you're just coming and sitting in a pew, right? You're sitting in your own pew. Anyhow, it's boring. Church gets exciting when you are the church out there. People say, well, where is God moving? He's moving out there. I, I just praying for a move of God. He's like, it's out here where the people are. So I don't know where you're at here, but I, I believe that God just wants to just multiply. I just really feel like uh, that scripture in Isaiah where it says, expend the tent curtains. I got that for you guys. And it's time to stretch out the pegs and so on. And you are the pegs. We are the pegs that get stretched out.
And hey, well, what if I mess up? Don't worry about it. What if they reject me? Don't worry about it. They rejected Jesus. Come on. We just give them the word. You're not the Savior. He's the Savior. The word, it's the gospel that saves, not you, not because you're so amazing. You just give them that, plant the seed. One plants, another waters, but God brings the increase. Somebody said it takes seven meaningful touches before someone gets saved. So mine was probably three, <laughs> what, what it took for me. But the, you, may, you don't know. You might be the one that brings them across the, the line, right? You might be the one that's just at the very beginning, the first time they're here, and they may just say, get away from me. I don't want to hear about it. In fact, if they do that, they're a prime candidate to get saved because it's the ones that push back that actually end up getting blasted into the kingdom of God. <laughs> so let me pray. How many like say, I think I want to, you utilize my time to the best ability the rest of my life, all right? Lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, we just pray and we thank you. As you came into the world, so you have sent us. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the people that told us about Jesus. I want to be one of those people, Lord. Lord, I don't want to come to the end of my life realizing, Lord, how many people I could have told Jesus, told you about, and I didn't do it. God, and you forgive us when we don't, but God, help us now. It's time for California to be saved, and we want to be a movement. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands down just in closing here. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Savior of your life, if that's you, and you like say, I, you know what, I need this Jesus you're talking about, would you just right now, I'm just going to ask you in front of everybody, just raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I need Jesus in my life. Yes, God bless you, sir. Anybody else want to raise their hand? Yes, ma'am. God bless you. I want you to pray with me. Here it is. It's really more than a prayer. It's just opening up your heart and saying, God, I need you. I need your salvation. I'm messed up. I, I need forgiveness in my life. And I want to become one of your children. I want to know that when I die, I'm going to live forever for you. So you can say it in a prayer like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to save me. Come into my life. Take the reins of my life. I've been running my life. It's not going that good. So I put my life in your hands. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for saving me. I praise you and determine to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God some praise. Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.